Hi, from professional migrant women, we are Catalina, Taylor, Lorena, and you are listening to the Undefeated Podcast. Everyone involved in this podcast would like to acknowledge that these stories were told and shared on unceded land. We pay our respects to the many traditional custodians of the land on which we are fortunate to live, love, work and thrive. This is the podcast that unfolds the stories from migrant women who, against all odds, overcame the challenges and barriers of living in a foreign land. We hope the story you're hearing today inspires you to continue to show up, take space and embrace who you are. Hello, welcome to today's episode of the Undefeated Podcast. I am Taylor Jung and we have with us Mariam Sarastade, one of the co-authors of the book Undefeated. Mariam is Iranian. In 2020, she moved to Australia. She was a lecturer at University of Tehran in Iran and now she is an English teacher, both volunteering and paid ones in Melbourne. So please welcome Mariam to share her story, Becoming a Teacher Again. The mic is your Mariam. Okay, thank you. Hi, everyone. Uh, thank you for giving me this chance to read my story. <laughs> okay, Becoming a Teacher Again. When my Australian friend Hazel asked me whether I would be interested in becoming a volunteer teacher, English teacher, I immediately answered yes. I was a university lecturer in Iran and I have really missed teaching since moving to Australia. Going to teach is when I focus the most on how I look. I dress in my least denim coat and my yellow pants. I'm trying to find a yellow headscarf to go with the colors. It has creases. I don't like to iron. So only the incentive of going to teach motivates me to pull the ironing board out from under the bed. One of my students speaks English frequently, and I wonder why she has come to the English class. I get the answer when asking her to fill out a simple short form. She does not know how to read or write. Growing up in South Africa, she learned to speak English. And because she is originally from Ethiopia, she also speaks Arabic. She says that her father died early and she had to leave a school. And now she cannot read or write in Arabic nor in English. She's not the only one. It's a sad surprise to see that some of the students in my English class don't even know how to hold pens. They don't know the English alphabet. When I ask them to write their names, they copy it from their ID cards. For different reasons, they haven't had a chance to go to school in their home country, and they cannot read and write in their own language either. It means that they are totally illiterate, unbelievable in the 21st century. Most of my students are from Afghanistan, which is good in that at least I can communicate with them in Farsi. It makes my day when they learn how to write their names and home address. Our class is hosted by a charity organization, and I feel so blessed that everything I ask for in my teaching is immediately provided. 
Students like the fun, friendly, and informal vibe of our class. One of my students breastfeeds her little boy while writing on her worksheet. Older kids are playing in the next room, which is a safe playground, and come and visit their moms from time to time. I compliment the mothers by telling their children that they are doing a great job. There is a feeling of belonging in our class. They support one another with homework, they laugh together, and sometimes their children translate what I'm trying to say to their moms. Teaching pre-beginners is challenging, but at the same time, very rewarding. When I leave the class, I'm always full of positive energy. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Marianne. That's such an eye-opening story. Another perspective of migrants come from like Ethiopia or Afghanistan and understand more about the challenges and difficulties they face uh, learning English in a new country. So I have a couple of questions for you, Marianne. We'd like to learn more about you. How how do you arrive in Australia? Your decision to leave um, Iran and maybe the first few months when you arrived here? Um, I was a lecturer at University of Tehran. I came here uh, with my husband and uh, daughter mm -hmm. for my sabbatical. Uh, you know that university lecturers can go abroad for their sabbatical mm -hmm. after several years of working. So I was eligible um, for that sabbatical. We landed in Melbourne in February 2020, mm -hmm. just two weeks before the closure of borders. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, when deciding to move to Australia, I was so scared. Mm -hmm. um, but if neither of me nor my husband can't find a job and run out of uh, saving, I think this is the challenge for yeah. every migrant. Yeah. The host university in Australia was not going to uh, pay me any salary or uh, income. I didn't uh, actually expect any income from the host university. I had a good job uh, and good life in Iran and moving to Australia was like leaving my comfort zone. Uh, I could not cope with my fears. But coincidentally, I came across a novel entitled The Hundred-Year-Old Man Who Climbed Out the Window and Disappeared. That really helped me to overcome my fears. This novel is about a man who had taken serious risk in his whole life, which mm. didn't end up even in the age of 100. <laughs> this novel gave me courage to take the risk and move. If a 100 years man, old man can take risk, why not me? Uh, yeah. Then I thought, <laughs> yeah, then I thought we won't lose anything with moving. In, and in case of difficulties, we can get back to Iran. So uh, finally, we made the decision to move. But um, as all migrants, we faced a lot of challenges at the beginning. There was no job because of the COVID. Even uh, I couldn't sleep some nights thinking of, to do if we run out of our mm. saving but finally with the help of an Australian neighbor I got a volunteer job with professional migrant women which was really really helpful and it soon led to a paid job from what you shared 
teaching is really important to you, right? And it's, it's yeah. at, at your heart and what you're passionate about. And through volunteering, the um, your neighbor introduced you to, to be a volunteer teacher. And you have yeah. been able to pursue what you've been missing since coming to Australia. So how, how long how long was that process, Maria? Like since you first came here when, until you volunteered, uh, you got a paid job. Yeah. Actually, it was maybe... Um, four to five months mm -hmm. uh, since um, my neighbor introduced me to professional migrant uh, women and I worked with them in a voluntary basis and mm -hmm. through those big network one of the actually colleagues in that uh, PMW mm -hmm. uh, asked me if I'm happy to go to teach English as a volunteer and I immediately said yes mm -hmm. <laughs> I was really Teaching, uh, missing teaching. I person who loves teaching <laughs> yeah. uh, always makes me feel good. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm so glad to find my way to the job market in Australia to that, that volunteering. That's amazing. That's amazing, Mariam. So, <laughs> apart from fulfilling your passion in teaching and also solve the problem of the income problem, the financial problem. Can you share with us why you are always full of positive energy leaving the class? I'm quoting you from their story. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, it brings uh, meaning and purpose to my life because uh, I'm doing something for the community without any expectation. Mm. And also, my students are so grateful, and they thank me a lot. Mm. <laughs> they even um, surprised me with a birthday celebration. So uh, that makes me really feel good. We are like friends, and uh, we love each other. It's a very friendly environment. So I think, yeah, that's the reason why I'm full of energy. And when um, I'm thinking I'm helping them to, you know, overcome some uh, challenges, uh, they can be, they can communicate uh, mm. better. They can, you know, at least be uh, independent in some mm. ways um the society even if it is feeling a simple form mm. or communicating with others about the weather yeah <laughs> uh, so that's really rewarding it uh, it makes me feel yes i'm doing uh something useful for the society so from from what you share in the story and from what you just share with us your students majority of them are women right uh, they are female students. Yes, female, female student. So yeah. you mentioned about you helping them to be more confident and also yeah. creating the feeling of belonging in the class, I can imagine. So yeah. tell us more about the students in your English class. I want to hear more, Mariam, and how important it is for them to attend these classes run by volunteer teachers like you. Sure. My students are basic learners, really. 
I can call them pre-beginners. They are mostly under the age of 50 and um, some of them hasn't have a chance to go to school in their country. Hmm. Uh, so to engage in the community and for everyday conversation and to get a job, they really need to attend these classes. Without knowing English, they are so dependent on their family members. They can't even make a doctor appointment. They can't communicate with the teachers of their um, children in, uh, at a school. So, um, yeah, they really need learning English um, to be able to you know, be effective in the community, to be independent. I have noticed that uh, being independent on others for every single thing uh, makes them to feel they are out of control of their uh, own life, which Mm. um, may damage their mental health. Yes, I can say that, Mariam, the the student that you are supporting are facing a lot of challenges, things that maybe some of us take for granted like making appointment to the doctor or or speak to the teachers of the children so yeah. um is your what you're doing are really important mariam i i think so and i assume that there will be a lot of challenges to support these students right because you used That's to be right. in a university lecturer and university students are well a lot of different to pre-beginner level student learning English and also have all the life commitment like they have children they have family commitment uh, mental health issues as well so what are some of the main challenges that you encounter and some of the strategies that you used to support someone who has very little English I think the main challenge is that they have no literacy in their native language so for example they can't use a dictionary even to Mm. find the meaning of the words they can't use the apps on their phone they have very poor digital literacy skills as well Uh, these are the main um, challenges you know Mm. when you don't know even your native language, you have very limited vocabulary and you can't use the digital tools um, to help you understand the new language. Mm. So I think firstly, the best strategy would be to connect with them, make them feel uh, confident, to Mm. uh, make uh, them feel good in class. So I try to create a friendly environment. I try to speak clearly and slowly using body language, be patient and respectful. Be culturally sensitive is also very important. Using simple words and simple sentences, teaching things that are practical and relevant to their everyday life. Mm. Yeah. Not just vocabulary, Rama, but something relates directly to their daily life, right? Yes. Mm. Exactly. Talking about people who normally need, uh, for example, shopping, making appointments, uh, also make teaching fun through uh, different games. And sometimes we laugh a lot together. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I have a feeling that your your class is like a family. That is the place that students, um, they feel safe in the environment. 
and they can freely and feel safe to learn and to express themselves and to connect with other women. And I think it's really important that they can learn from each other as well. Yes, you know, uh, it's um, beyond just learning uh, English. It's a sense of community um, Mm -hmm. as well, I think, because they all are um, busy uh, ladies that they have kids to look after all Mm -hmm. housework. So this class is a time that they have for themselves (laughs) Mm -hmm. and can uh, make friends and this stuff. And also it's not only me in contributing to this feeling. I need to thank uh, Salvation Army, which is the organization that uh, is hosting our class. Uh, Very, very nice, kind people are there. And and the things they provide, there are always uh, food to eat, uh, coffee, very clean place with everything I ask for is immediately provided. So, uh, uh, yeah, it's really like a home. <laughs> with mm-hmm. their, I really, really need to uh, thank this uh, organization and all the vol- volunteers who do a great job in making this uh, nice environment. This is really important for community organization to host these classes, I believe, Mariam. More classes available for marginalized community, especially women, women with children. So hopefully like this episode can reach other um, organization and policymaker for them to provide more funding for um, classes like this. Also, if, if our listener would like to to become a volunteer like you, Mariam, can you suggest where they can look for it? Actually, AMEP is the best place, I think, mm-hmm. um, for uh, those who like to be a volunteer teacher. Yes. And also maybe neighborhood houses and maybe uh, through, you know, um, personal connections. They mm. can find um, people in their neighborhoods. May- maybe uh, that person needs uh, learning English is your neighbor. Mm. <laughs> yes. So there are a lot of opportunities for working uh, as an English volunteer. And do you need qualification to be a volunteer teacher in English? Or do you need any skills or to start um... the role? What do you Actually, for, um, you know, because I was working with AMEP uh, during COVID, I was teaching uh, a lady from uh, Syria, but it was online Mm. at that time because of uh, COVID. They didn't ask me for any qualification, um, but there was a course um, which I needed to pass before Mm. starting the job. And that course really, really helped because... uh, uh, I got a lot of uh, skills on understanding the refugees better mm. and the challenges they have faced, the trauma uh, they have had. So it was quite helpful. It was not only uh, how to teach, but also mm. the uh, it taught me the context. I can imagine that you can be a volunteer teacher with an open heart and a lot of patience. That's exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You need to have that mindset that um, I need to return to the community. I need to do something for Mm -hmm. um, people. 
and it's like karma if you do something nice <laughs> yes you will get something even um, nicer and that's why although i have got a paid position now but still i'm doing the volunteer job because i really really love it <laughs> yes yes and like you said in the new story you always feel full of positive energy leaving that's, the class yes i think that's your wonderful reward from your volunteering position what would be the advice for other modern women coming to australia mariam Actually, I think uh, the main thing is that to integrate into community, to engage in the community. Um, what I have seen in many migrants, they stick to uh, people who speak their own language. Uh, the TV is uh, programmed from their own country. Mm. Social media, all friends, again, from their own language. So they are living in a foreign country, but in fact, it's again their own, um, you know, language or uh, people from their own uh, culture, own language again. Uh, so my advice is that don't stick to people who speak your own language. Use mm. every opportunity to engage in the community. Go to local libraries. Libraries yeah. are fabulous in Australia. I think the best places in Australia are public libraries. Librarians oh. are quite helpful. There are a lot of services, programs in libraries they can benefit from. Um, there are conversation classes, storytelling for kids. Librarians are quite helpful. I remember myself, I had a problem at the beginning. I went to a librarian and asked for help. She advised me to go and uh, join the karma group in facebook uh, for my suburb and that was really really <laughs> helpful for every problem i reach people in um, my community and uh, they are very nice and uh, helpful and uh, i recommend them to go to neighborhood houses in their um, suburb there are a lot of classes they can attend, talk to your neighbors, uh, share a dish of food with them, watch Australian TV, even if you don't understand a single mm. word, <laughs> because uh, your brain will absorb the words. <laughs> That's the right tips, the right tips, Maria. Yeah. I need to learn that from you as well. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and Maria, share with us three words to describe you after your migration journey. I'll never give up. <laughs> oh, just three words. Never give up. Yeah, because it's three words, so never give up. Three words. Never give up. <laughs> wow, wow. Explain more. Explain more on that for me, please, Mario. <laughs> what does it mean to you, never give up? When I remember how I was struggling and how difficult it was, I never um, lost my uh, hope. I had faith that finally something will come up. And that mindset, I think, helped me to um, pass those hard days or dark days <laughs> safely. And I can I can also think that will be your third advice that you, you give to other modern women, never give up. 
exactly <laughs> thank you so much Marianne for joining us today yeah. um, with the undefeated podcast okay. and share your story your passion about teaching and about being a volunteer teacher to help your community and help other women thank you so much Marianne I wish you all the best in your journey and your future in supporting other women thank you very much for having me it was my pleasure Thanks for listening to the Undefeated Podcast with your host, Taylor, Catalina, Lorena. We hope this podcast somehow provides you with the guidance and the courage that you are looking for at any point in your migrant journey. We have included some links in the show notes that we hope may be useful if you are facing any type of hardship or if you would like to connect with the wider community. That's it for today. Stay tuned for our next episode. Music by Naela Music, edited by Catalina Neira, Taylor Tran, Lorena Duranton, graphic design by Lina Orozco.